you would take your Bible this morning, turn to Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to be verses 1 through 6. Or if you got the church app, you can just uh, press the uh, sermon there, and it'll have the scriptures in blue that you can press to read along with me. Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. I've been on this series about too great a temptation. And today I want to talk about an unusual temptation, and that is the temptation of doubt. Temptation of doubt. And a deep doubt, that is, doubting God. Have you ever had doubts about your life and the direction that your life has gone and the decisions that you've made relating to your life? The truth is that most people have experienced doubts in their life about their direction they have decided to go or allowed their life to go, decisions they've made, good, bad, different things. Matter of fact, they did a uh, survey of a, a group of uh, people in their 20s to kind of ask them that question about did they have doubts about their life. And they found out that when they did that survey of the, these that were in their 20s that many of them had doubts about getting married too early or maybe they married the wrong person and just married somebody that was meeting a need in their life at that point in their life instead of looking for the right person. Some had doubts about uh, the direction they had gone towards their career and that they had maybe taken jobs to just meet the financial needs and to make a living instead of going after the dreams that they had in their life. And so they found out that uh, these people had very early in their adulthood had doubts and that they had doubts a lot of times about where they were instead of where they wish they had been and the direction they wished their life had gone to. And then there was a survey that I saw from the Christian polling group called Barner Group that did a survey about Christians and asked them had they ever had doubts about their faith Doubts about God, doubts about their beliefs that they had maybe been taught or had lived their life according to. And they found out that uh, in this survey they did, this group of people they surveyed, that two out of every three people, that's like 67% of them, two out of every three people that said that they were Christians said they had at some point in their life had doubts about their faith, doubts about their beliefs, Doubts about God and whether God was really working in their life. And one thing that really wasn't surprising to me is they analyzed all these people and kind of grouped them by age group, that the group that had the highest percentage of doubt and the most doubt was the millennials. They had the, uh, as they did the survey with them, they found that they had expressed that they had more doubts than others. Matter of fact, twice as much. And so what we see from that is that over the years, as time has gone, people have been exposed to things of the world, and it has caused a lot of doubt in their mind, and even to the point of doubting God. Within our Christianity, the reality is that doubt is a force of Satan. Think about that for just a second. Doubt is a force of Satan. Because if Satan can get us doubt... He can cause us to begin to question things that will stop us in our tracks. Doubt will cause us to be robbed of the joy that we should have as Christians. It causes us to be robbed of our confidence, our hope, our belief, our reality that there is something better in the future waiting for us, that God has a better plan for us. 
And that doubt causes us as Christians to begin to sense God as being vacant. Where is God? It can cause our work to seem to be in vain. Am I wasting my time doing what I'm doing in the church or for the cause of God and Christianity? And so these doubts can cause us to really affect our lives and to damage us to the point that a lot of people have doubt and they'll quit going to church. They'll quit doing things relating to God and just begins to throw their whole life in a tailspin. All because Satan created a doubt. Now, now to some of you, as I throw out some of those things, especially the statistic that two out of every three Christians surveyed say that they had had doubts about God and about their beliefs, it shouldn't be any surprise that that's a weapon of Satan because we go to the very beginning of the Bible and there it starts, doesn't it? In the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve were there in the garden and they're beginning to enjoy all that God has blessed them with. And then Satan shows up and tries to tempt Eve to eat of the fruit in the garden that God had said, do not eat. And when Satan tempted her, she said, no, God said that we shouldn't do that. And then here comes doubt, right? Satan says, wait, wait a minute. That's really not what God meant. And he knew that if you took some of this fruit and you ate it, that you would have knowledge like he did and you would see things like he did. And so God doesn't want you to have what he really has the best of. He began to throw doubt. And so from the very beginning of the Bible, Satan has always used the source of doubt. There may be some people that are in the service today that you just kind of barely got here. You were uncertain whether you was really going to go to church or not. And maybe somebody gave you a little extra nudge. Or maybe you just said, okay, this will be my last time to go. Or maybe you had all kinds of excuses that began to flood your mind and you had your doubts. Some of you may have be here today and you're sitting in the service and you're thinking, I don't know if all this stuff about God, about Jesus, all this is real. Well, let me tell you, that's not a surprise. It's totally ordinary. It's a weapon that Satan uses against all of us to try to mess up our lives. But today we're going to look in the scripture about a man that probably many people would have thought he would have been in that one-third group that would have never doubted. His name was John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was a cousin to Jesus, so he had a deep connection to Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And he had been one that had been anointed to go and to preach about Christ's coming, Jesus Christ's coming. And so you would think that if there had been anybody in the Bible, this man, John the Baptist, who just seemed to be like uh, uh, kind of rough, but unstoppable, dynamic, evangelistic type person, he would have been the last on our list to ever doubt. And yet the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 11 that he had that moment of doubt. Now that could make us all discouraged. Well, if John the Baptist, this dynamic evangelist, the cousin to Jesus, if he had his doubt, what hope is there for us? But I believe it was in God's plan to have that in there to let us know that all of us may have points of doubt in our life, but we can overcome that doubt and live the victorious life. So let's look at this in Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. And I'm reading this out of the NIV this morning because of some of the wording that it has in those six verses. But it says this, Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there, from where he had been talking to the mass of people, and he went to teach and to preach in their cities. And verse 2 says, And when John, referring to John the Baptist, 
When he had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Now, I want to pause there. It says that John heard while in prison. And we know that if we were to study all through the Bible about John the Baptist, we know that John the Baptist was in prison because he had spoken up against King Herod's marriage. He made a statement about how that King Herod had divorced his wife unlawfully and then married his brother's wife. And so he made a statement about that. And that had riled up the new wife of King Herod to the point that he, she had her daughter to dance before the king. And then when he was so pleased with her dancing, he said, what, what would you have me to give to you? And her mother said, ask for the head of John the Baptist. We're not putting up with his remarks anymore. So John is in prison. His head is headed to be cut off. And so while in prison, he heard about the works of Christ. And he sent two of those who had been with him and said, ask him the question, are you really the one we've been looking for? Are you the Christ, the Messiah? Are you the Son of God? Or do we look for another? Verse 4 says, And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Jesus had a direct answer for the doubt that uh, John the Baptist was experiencing. And I want to give you, you know, when you think about doubt, there's usually some cause behind it. Satan uses different things, different ways to bring doubt into our life. And so I want to take an acrostic of the word doubts, D-O-U-B-T-S, those letters, to make it something easy for you hopefully to remember about when doubts come into your life, what causes those doubts, especially about your faith and about God. The D stands for this, devastating experiences. I think all of us would agree that John the Baptist had just had a devastating experience, hadn't he? He had been out in the wilderness and he had been preaching. People had been repenting of their sins. They had been being baptized. He had baptized Jesus himself. And now he's in prison. So he had had a devastating experience. And sometimes in our life, even those who are seemingly good, faithful, attending, church-going folks can have devastating things that happen in their life that causes them to doubt God, doubt their faith, doubt their beliefs, doubt whether they're really living the life that is really worth living. Those devastating experiences kind of knock the wind out of us, don't they? They knock us back. That's what had happened to John the Baptist. He had been preaching, repent and be baptized, and now he's sitting in prison. And this devastating moment is now set in, and he's thinking, are you really the Christ? Are you the one that we've been looking for? Or do we look for something else or somebody else? The same way can happen in our lives. We can be going through life and we're going, through, going to church and we've been listening. We've been singing the choir. We've been trying to be a good person. And then something devastating hits in our life. Maybe it's a financial struggle. Maybe it's a sickness in the family. Maybe it's a career that has been taken away from you. Some devastating moment has hit in your life, some devastating experience, and that causes you to say, well, wait a minute, I've, I've been a good person. 
I've been doing good things. Why would this happen to me? Maybe there's not a God. Why would a good God allow bad, something devastating to happen to me as a, as a good person? And so those devastating experiences kind of knock the wind out of us and create a moment of doubt in our life. Is there really a God? And does he really care about me? Can you imagine that probably John the Baptist was thinking that? Is there really a God? And I've been out preaching. I've been telling people to repent and be baptized. Does he care about me? Is there really a God? Have I been wasting my time? Devastating experiences come into our life and they cause us to doubt. The O stands for obstacles. Obstacles get in our way. When we're trying to, maybe you've been a Christian for a while and maybe you've committed your life, hey, I'm going to serve God, I'm going to do something good for God, and I'm going to serve in, something, in some particular way, and, and you've committed that you're going to do it, and then you start trying to do it, and then there's problems, obstacles that are in your way. You can't make it happen. It just seems to be holding you back. And those obstacles that are in your way cause you to think, well, maybe, maybe I'm not intended to do this anyway. Maybe that was just a crazy, crazy ideal. Maybe, maybe I missed something along the way. Matter of fact, me and another person were having conversation about God had called them to preach, and that began to hit their mind. <laughs> Wait a minute, maybe I'm, maybe I'm going the wrong direction. Maybe this is not intended for me. Obstacles in the way. The U stands for unreasonable treatment. You can probably imagine that John the Baptist sitting there in the prison and he's thinking, oh, wait a minute, now I said that, yes, he, he divorced his wife unlawfully and he married another woman, but whoa, isn't this a little bit overboard, going to chop my head off? Unreasonable treatment. We get a little sensitive sometimes of the way that we get treated, and especially if we're treated by somebody that maybe we felt a little close to. And so those moments of unreasonable treatment are feeling like I'm not getting treated in proportion to what I'm doing. This is just not right. Unreasonable treatment will cause us to begin to doubt about God and God working in our life and what we're trying to do for God. The B stands for bad results. Maybe you're trying to do something for God, but the end result is not turning out like what you expected. Maybe God has spoken to you to do something for him. You're thinking, oh, man, this is going to be great. People are going to get saved. Lives are going to be changed. And then it just seems like nobody's interested. Bad results. The truth is that anytime, and I want you to listen. If you listen, say amen. This side was listening. I'm not sure if this side was. Are y'all listening over here? Say amen. Danny's listening. he got a good one in there. The truth is that anytime you're doing something for God, the devil is going to try to fight against it. Now, if it's not something that really bothers the devil, have at it. He don't care. Have great success. If you want to have a fish fry at the church and 5,000 people show up, have a fish fry and 5,000. He don't care. If you're going to try to have a vacation Bible school and see kids come to know Christ as their personal Savior, now that ticks him off. We had 17 except Christ during vacation Bible school and some others that made decisions of rededication. Yeah, we'll give applause to that. But early on, there were a few things in vacation Bible school that was like, not going so well, not looking so good. 
the moment that it could have been, okay, maybe, maybe this is not the right time, the right place. Bad results can cause us to begin to doubt. The T stands for tired physically. In our Life in the Word class this morning, one person said, I decided, man, next year vacation Bible school, I'm taking at least one day off during that week. I think I'll take Wednesday off so I can recuperate and be ready for the last half. Getting tired physically can cause us to sometimes doubt. I'm, I'm exhausted. I just don't feel like going on. I, I don't feel like that I can, can continue at this pace or what I, is it being expected of me right now. I am tired physically. And it can cause you to begin to doubt about what you're doing and whether God is really in it. Because if God is in it, I should be energized. I should be feeling good. It should be all about good hype. It's amazing how we always associate with anything that we're doing should be all good, right? Tired physically. The S stands for suffering emotionally. When you're trying to do something for God, but yet there's things that are affecting you emotionally. Maybe even just trying to make a change in your life. I'm going to start going to church. I'm going to go to life in the Word. I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to start singing in the choir. I'm going to start playing an instrument. I haven't played my instrument in years. I'm going to get it out, clean it up, and get it going. You begin to do those things, but then there's things that's just starting to hit you emotionally. You just don't feel like your heart is in it. Did you hear that? Just don't feel like your heart is in it. You begin to doubt. That's where John the Baptist was. He's sitting there in prison and his heart is just not in out there being out there preaching because he's got his doubts. Are you really the one that we're looking for or do we look for another? Have I wasted my time in what I've done? Am I sitting here in this jail about to lose my head over nothing? Doubts. Now remember I said that that is a force that Satan uses against us, isn't it? Doubts. Well, if you get into that point in your life where whether it's a devastating experience or whether it's some obstacle in your way or unreasonable treatment, bad results, tired physically, suffering emotionally, if those things have caused doubt in your life, then how do you get from this point of doubt to getting beyond that to where you can go on and live a victorious life? Well, I think God has answers for that as well. And here's the number one thing I would give you this morning to overcome your doubts and reclaim the victorious life. The step number one is share your feelings of doubt with someone who is stronger than you. If you got doubts, uncertainty, you feel like you're losing all hope, not sure if this thing about God is really real, then share those feelings. What does the Bible say that John the Baptist did while he was there in prison? He called some of his disciples together and he said, I want you to go talk to the man himself. He didn't ask those disciples who were less mature than him, what do you guys think? He said, I want you to go ask Jesus. Because he's the one I've been looking up to. He's the one I've admired. He's the one that I have preached about. Go ask Jesus himself. Are you the one or do we look for another? Because I'm a little bit uncertain about how things are going right now in my life. Share your feelings with someone who is stronger than you, who, someone who is stronger in their faith. And when you do that, when you let them know where your doubts are, then you can seek advice and find answers to help you in your time of need. 
And you know why I found that a lot of times that people do the exact opposite? When they're struggling in any area of their life, whether it's their faith, whether it's their marriage, or whether it's their health, they'll ask someone who's struggling also, someone who's in the same boat. Find someone who has crossed the lake and is standing on the shore, someone who is stronger than you. Share your feelings. And you know, a lot of times we think, I don't know if I want. And you know, one of the things I saw in this Barna group that was of people who had said that they had had doubts, only about a fourth of them said a word to the preacher. Only about a fourth of them. They sought other things, but didn't ask the preacher about it. Now, that could be that they're thinking, oh, this is embarrassing to go tell the preacher. I don't know if I believe in God or I'm, I'm having doubts about my faith and so forth. But I can tell you, there's a lot of questions that people ask me that I'm thinking, why do you ask things like that for but there's questions like I doubt God I want to hear that from you because I want to help you I'm not sure that I'm safe I want to hear that from you because I want to help you I want to help you get across those hurdles and past those obstacles that are in your life so that you can be stronger. So when you come, if you're truly sharing with someone who is stronger in their faith, they're not going to put you down or they're not going to begin to say things or just kind of walk away from you. They're going to be there to help you. So share your feelings of doubt with someone who is stronger than you are. Go to God and say, God, I'm talking to you, but I'm not even sure if you're really there. And just go ahead and talk to him. Because God already knows anyway. You may be thinking, well, I don't know if I want to tell God that I'm doubting about him. Well, if you got your doubts about him, you're going to find out something, aren't you? So just go ahead and tell him. Share your feelings of doubt with someone who is stronger. The second thing I would give you is study God's word for the truth that will give you strength. Dig into God's word and find those things that will give you strength. And you may be saying, well, really, I don't know a whole lot about the Bible. Here is one of the most spiritual things of advice I will help you in that area. Google it. Now, I want to give a disclaimer. I'm not saying that everything on Google is fact or true. But you can Google things even about the Bible, about scriptures, and it'll point you in the right direction. Okay? So just Google it. Google, what does the Bible have to say about doubt? And it'll tell you where you can find it. So if you don't know where to find it yourself, Google it. But just remember, take the facts from the Bible, not Google. Study God's Word for truths that will give you strength. Search your memory for times that God has demonstrated himself to you. One of the things that, that have helped me in times of struggle in my life is my prayer list because when God answers prayer, I put PTL, praise the Lord, on it. And when I'm struggling with what God is doing or not doing or have doubts in my own personal life, and I read those praise the Lord, I begin to say, oh, wow, I, I forgot about when God did that. <laughs> and this person, man, nobody thought this person would ever get saved, and they got saved. And I began to read those praise the Lord's, and it begins to change my doubt. And I think, there has to be a God, or that couldn't happen. I've shared from my own personal life that my first experience of believing there was a God when I lost the keys to my dad's barn in a big, thick grass, and I thought I was dead meat. 
And I prayed, God, if there's a God, please let me find those keys. And I found them. It was my first step of believing in God. Believing that there really was a God. But when I think about all the things that God has amazed, I'll never forget uh, a judgment house that we did at uh, Lowe's years ago. Our church did. And there was a, a, a movement that God was working through a couple of our men at uh, Southeastern Freight. And they said, I want you to pray for this particular guy that uh, he, everybody's tried to reach him, but he is just stone cold. Nobody can reach him for the gospel. He won't have anything to do with it. And so then they finally talked him into coming. And so he came one night of, of the uh, judgment house that we were doing. And so we were all praying for him. And it ended up, it was the same night that a newspaper guy showed up. And so we were praying for him, and he ended up, he got switched from one group to another group. I don't know exactly how it happened, but he got put in the group that the newspaper guy was going through. And I heard about that before he ever got, I was working in counseling. I heard about that, and I thought, oh, God, man, the devil is tricky. He's going to use the newspaper guy to distract him. He's going to be taking pictures, asking questions. He ain't going to hear nothing that's going on. He ended up, he came through the judgment house, he came to the counseling, gave him the invitation, he prayed to accept Christ. Came out, and when he came out, the newspaper guy just thought, I'll ask this guy about his experience. So he began to interview him, and he talked about he accepted Christ as his Savior. And then on the front page of the newspaper was his name, and that he had gone through the judgment house and accepted Christ. And then I got a call from a lady a few days later that had saw it in the newspaper, and she said, you won't believe this. She said, we, he used to help us with a side job that we did, and said, we used to witness to him, and said, he just got tired of us one day, and he said, listen, I don't believe in God. I'm not going to church. If I was to ever get saved like you're trying to get me to do, it would be on the front page of the newspaper. I searched my memory for those things, and it sure does take away that doubt. I was talking to uh, somebody the other day and was uh, talking about uh, a guy that came to our church one time, and he was in a worship service, and uh, he felt like God was telling him to get it, and he said the worship service is just wonderful. He felt like God was telling him to get in the aisle and do 10 push-ups. He's thinking, oh, man, I can't get in the aisle and do 10 push-ups. We're worshiping God. So he tried to ignore God, and God said, get in the aisle and do 10 push-ups. He said, I can't, I can't do that. And so finally, God kept pressing on him, so he just thought, I'll just slide in the aisle. While nobody's, everybody's praising the Lord, and I'll do 10 push-ups and jump back in. So he got in the aisle, did 10 push-ups, jumped back in his pew. In just a few moments, this guy came down, came to the altar, and accepted Christ as his personal Savior. And then after the service, he found out that his wife was asking him, so why don't you just go down and get saved? Because she had begged him to come to church, and he wouldn't ever come to church. He finally came that one time. She said, why don't you just go down and accept Christ your Savior? He said, if somebody gets in the aisle and did 10 push-ups, I'll go down there to the altar. And when that guy died in the aisle did 10 push-ups, he knew there was a God, and he came down. Another person told me recently, I never had heard this story. Now, that guy, I know that guy that did the 10 push-ups. But they told me about a lady that came during a worship service, came up to the preacher, and she said, Pastor, I know this is a little bit odd, but God wants me to do a cartwheel. <laughs> she said, so I'm just going to do a cartwheel and go back and sit down. She did a cartwheel, and a lady got saved that, uh, in that worship service because she had thought, 
If a lady goes up there and does a cartwheel, I'll get saved. We never know what God will do, but when we remember those stories, when we search our mind of the memories where God has demonstrated himself and showing that he is God, it strengthens our faith and restores us and takes away that doubt. The fourth thing I would tell you is start doing the things that you don't feel like doing. Some of you are thinking, what did he say? I'll repeat it for those of you. Start doing the things you don't feel like doing. If you want to overcome doubt in your life and get where you need to live victoriously, start doing the things you don't feel like doing. When you're experiencing doubt and when you're not feeling like you want to go to church, go to church. When you don't want to read your Bible, read your Bible. When you don't want to sing the worship songs, sing the worship songs. When you don't want to kiss your wife, kiss your wife. The things that when you're in doubt and discouragement, the things that you don't feel like doing and you're thinking, I'm not going to do, do them. That's the things you need to do. The fifth and final thing I would tell you is that stay connected to the people that are most faithful. You know, I told you that those who had doubt all reported that they quit going to church or they quit serving God. And when you stay connected to the people who are most faithful, that's going to help you on your journey to going from doubt and discouragement to living victoriously. Stay connected. Don't get disconnected. Stay connected. I want to kind of close with these two things for you to remember. And that is this. Doubt creates mountains, but faith moves mountains. Doubt will put mountains in your life, but your faith will move those mountains. And when you doubt your source of power, which is God, you're giving power to your doubts. And I want to encourage you this morning to have faith that will move mountains. Doubt will create mountains, but faith moves mountains. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning, and Lord, we thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be able to come in your house and just be able to be open and honest. Sometimes it's too great a temptation, and we get sucked into doubt. We get sucked into just quitting going to church and quit serving God and quit giving our offering and quit using our gifts for God. We get sucked in because it becomes too great a temptation. And we begin to live a defeated life because the Satan wants to use doubt to cause us to be at a point in our life that we have worry, uncertainty, fear. And God wants to have love, joy, peace, happiness. And so the devil uses doubt to take away those things that are most precious to us. And doubt will create a mountain in our life that just seems to be unsurpassable. But Lord, faith moves mountains. And Lord, that's what I want to move people to today is from their doubts to their faith. And Lord, I don't know what may have caused some doubts in people's lives today, but Lord, I know you know exactly what Satan has put in there. And Lord, you know exactly what they need to get from their doubt to the victorious life. And so, Lord, I'm asking you to move in people's lives right now in this service. So while heads are bowed and eyes are closed and while some are praying, some of you this morning, you've been dealing with some doubts. Doubts about God, doubts about your marriage, doubts about your family, doubts about the area that you're serving God, doubts about your calling on your life. 
you got doubts. And that, let me tell you this morning, doubt. Matter of fact, the Bible says God is not the author of confusion. Does that give you a little clue? If God is not the author of confusion and doubt is confusion, figure it out. It's from the devil. So this morning, if you're struggling with doubts or uncertainty about things in your life, then I want to invite you to step out of your pew right now and come kneel at this altar and just say, God, I want to be open and honest with you. This is the beginning, Lord, to really get healing in my life. Would you come right now? Just come and lay your doubts on the altar and let God do a healing. Share with him what you're feeling right now. And then let God begin to do that healing in your life. He already knows where you are. He already knows the doubts that you've got. Yes, God even knows if you doubt that he exists. But he wants to give you a victorious life this morning. Matter of fact, if you have your doubts about whether God really exists this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to start the victorious life, the good life right now. By saying a prayer silently in your heart after me. Dear Lord. I have my doubts, but I know I've, I've done things I shouldn't have done. I've messed up in some areas of my life. Sometimes my past haunts me. But Lord, today, I want to start the victorious life, the good life. So Lord, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my doubts. What I'm feeling in my heart right now has to be you. So, Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. Now, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer with me this morning, you made the greatest decision of your life. And I want to remember you in my prayers. If you prayed that prayer with me, would you just slip up your hand for just a moment just to say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer this morning. Yes. Are there others? Yes. To God be the glory. You may put your hands down in just a moment. We're going to be singing a song of invitation. And I want to invite you to just come and take my hand and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer with you this morning. And I really meant it. We won't do anything to embarrass you, but we sure will rejoice with you. Maybe you're a Christian this morning, but you've been having some doubts about your faith and what you believe. And you need some prayer this morning. Would you just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I've been struggling some. Yes, 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 yes. Lord, uh, some prayed this morning to receive you. Others have had some doubts and some struggles in their life. And Lord, my prayer is that you bring them to the point of victory in their life this morning. God, start them on the journey of overcoming the defeats in their life. Lord, I pray that you would just take away the weapon that Satan has, take, has put in their life. And Lord, that you would defeat him. And Lord, we rejoice in God what you're going to do. Lord, rejoice in the, those who have prayed to receive you this morning. And Lord, we're going to give you the praise and honor and glory for all that you do and for the victory you bring. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.